Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Taking the Fields, a 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, John Fields, and joining me today, as always, is Matthew Bruni. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Um, early in the morning because we got a we got a busy day. Um, I got a busy day ahead of, ahead of me here with some, some basketball stuff and, and everything. And so I'm excited to talk. Uh, UAB basketball, obviously. I, I watched it. I watched it during or while it was happening, I watched it live, but I was also at LSU uh, women's basketball game against South Carolina. And so I was like half mm-hmm. watching it. So then afterwards I went back and watched the full thing. And so now I'm like really caught up. It's like, I get, I watched a game in half, John, that's, that's what it's <laughs> like. So. Yeah. I'm I was going to say that might have it a little more fresh in your mind. Um, but yeah, for those of you who didn't watch the game, UAB beats UNT 69-63 down in the super pit where I was back for the first time in almost three weeks. Been out doing some Christmas stuff with the family, so it was nice to be back there. UNT falls to 1-1 in Conference USA play now, 8-4 overall after they beat Rice 75-43 to open conference play. And do we want to touch on that game first before we get into UAB, or how how do you want to do this? We we could touch on Rice because I think that's a pretty quick uh, recap. Because I tend to agree. Yeah, um, I have a Dave Campbell's basketball podcast I do as well. And um, I was out on Rice early in the year, and Rice is just god-awful. I don't know what's happened to them this year. But last year, if you remember, they beat Marshall in the in the tournament, in the conference tournament. We're like, okay, Travis Evie, Quincy Olivari, Max Fiedler, Cameron Sheffield, return all of them. And they add Carl Pierre, and they're just even worse somehow than last year. So... But North Texas looked good defensively, especially defensively. No, I agree. I don't know how much of that was just rice coming out of that COVID pause and, you know, being a little rusty at times. But yeah, North Texas looked good, dominated on the boards 56 to 30, which I thought was huge, Um, especially on a night where they didn't really shoot it all that well. 29 of 74. They end up 28 offensive rebounds to 28 defensive, almost out rebounded rice on the offensive glass alone, which was just ridiculous. And then yeah. 23 second chance points that sort of told the tale for me because it could have been a lot closer with some of the shooting struggles they were having, but they just got whatever they wanted dominated pretty easily. Um, yeah, Drez had 17 points, which was good. Uh, 18 from Tyler Perry. He was hot before missing some shots down the stretch. Ruben Jones, good game from him overall. Yeah. You can't complain too much with that result when you open conference play with a 32 point win scoring 75 points. Pretty yeah, good. the uh, so the thing with North Texas is usually they don't lose to the bad teams in the conference just because of the defense. Yeah, and it looks like that'll be the case again this year. Uh, so you know you got the Rice's, the UTEP is still rebuilding. UTSA is just trash this year. Oh, Southern man. Southern Miss is right there with them. They were battling it out last night in just an awful game. Uh. And so, you know, North Texas will roll over those teams and then we'll have like the disparity to me is pretty large in Conference USA when you look at the top four, um, even though Louisiana Tech uh, did lose Isaiah Crawford and um, but you get Louisiana Tech, UAB, Western and North Texas, you get those four and then it's kind of just like everybody else to a degree. Um, I don't even yeah. know who, who Kimbaum has his fifth or who anywhere has his fifth for the most part, but uh I've seen like middle Tennessee fifth, maybe, or like, yeah, I saw middle as actually was fourth in the net rankings. The last I checked above Western. Yeah. So Kim Palm has Kim Palm has rice as fifth. Wow. I'm just looking at their projections. They have a lot of teams that like seven wins, like seven, um, like seven wins for the, uh, the rest of the way. So mm. Yeah. I don't know, but, uh, but anyways, yeah, it looks like North Texas will be able to roll over the rest of the conference. Uh, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but like I said, Southern Miss rice, UTEP, UTSA, if they play the, like if they play each team twice, they probably go seven and one in that stretch, maybe better. But, uh, so that, that's, that's, that's the positive from that game that we can use moving forward. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, they got middle coming up on Saturday, obviously, which we'll get into maybe a little more after we talk through this UAB game. But um, yeah, middle Marshall WKU in the next three Marshall and WKU on the road, which are both going to be interesting games, obviously Western a little more than Marshall, but Marshall on the road is always going to be a tough place to play too. Definitely. So 
it'll be yeah. interesting. Um, but yeah, I guess now that we're done with the rice game, cause there wasn't really a ton to talk about, let's get into the most recent stuff, get into this UAB game. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, we were talking about the just disparity on the glass, uh, from North Texas against rice. I mean, it just sort of flipped in this game, not to the same extent, like UAB didn't dominate North Texas on the glass the same way North Texas did rice, but they still dominated them on the glass 39 to 25. Uh, UAB had 13 offensive boards, ended up 15 second chance points to one for North Texas. That was one of the big keys in this one for me was just even when North Texas would force misses, which even late in the game, they had Jordan Walker missed a mid-range shot. But Trey Jamison goes up, gets an offensive board, and Walker, you know, takes a shot from essentially the same spot and hits it. And it felt like sort of the dagger at that point, even though North Texas still had some chances. I think that was probably two minutes left or so, maybe a minute left to put UAB up four. And then from that point on, it was just North Texas just couldn't quite find enough down the stretch. It felt like they didn't have anybody who felt like they were comfortable against UAB to take that last shot or to find a basket late in the game. Uh, we can get into more individuals later, but Thomas Bell could have been one of those guys, but he just really struggled in this one. And that's sort of been a trend the last few games. I feel like he hasn't been hitting very many shots. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'll get into Thomas in a second, like you said, individually. Um, UAB, so the last couple of years, as we know, it's been Western Kentucky, right? Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky the last two years. Um, they're, they've been a team that has been highly, um, has had their perception around the country being like, all right, this is the team that's going to come out of Conference USA. Um, this year it's UAB. And yeah. UAB, rightfully so, is called the best team in the conference is called one of the best mid majors in the country. And I completely agree. I mean, they are really, really, really good. Like that's the first takeaway from this game is, I mean, UAB is taking what Western was the past two years and they might be better than what Western was the last two years. Like they are yeah. that good. Like Ken Palm has them 42nd in the country right now. Like we're, we're nearing, we're nearing, um, the range where they don't even need to be an automatic or they don't need to win the conference. Like we're, we're nearing that range. I don't think we're going to hit that range because they'd have to run through the conference at that point. Um, and a loss in the tournament might step them back too far, but like we're nearing that range with this UAB team. And it starts while UAB and North Texas uh, to me are, are on a very similar path um, in a very similar range defensively. UAB has trade Jemison at the rim and mm. getting rebounds and he is listed at seven foot and abu is listed at six ten, and it's just that's two those two inches just feel like they're the difference right yeah. when you watch it then you have Quan jackson and Quan jackson last year was amazing and then you have everybody else that they had last year michael Ertle, tavin lovin um and then they added josh leblanc kj buffin and jordan walker to me is the difference between this year and last year for UAB Jordan Walker last year, they started Ertle, they started uh, Lovin and uh, they started Jackson. So they didn't have the scoring punch they needed. And now you have um, Jordan Walker who you brings them that scoring punch at times like we saw. So um, it's, it's no secret. We knew UAB was going to be damn good. I am very impressed with North Texas ability to fight back and really have a chance to win the game. Obviously they fouled down the stretch to make it a six point game, but Really, this is a one-possession game for the, yeah. the entire second half. And I think there's plenty of takeaways we can have positive for North Texas here. Um, but to me, the overall theme, and I, I knew UAB was good coming in. I've seen them like in like for minutes this season. But to watch them for a whole game, I'm like, all right, this is the team that we expected. And this is the team we're going to – North Texas is going to have to beat to win the conference a third time. Like this is, this is the, the standard at this point. Yeah. And you were talking about at large bid and that kind of thing that, I mean, it's something that sounds a little crazy for conference USA, but if you look at their non-conference dang near beat South Carolina, and that ends up actually being a pretty bad loss. I think that's like a quad three loss yeah. in the net. Yeah. They needed to, they needed to win that game. I, yeah. I I've been keeping track of UAB for that reason. Like, okay, South Carolina, they needed to beat. Um, San Francisco's probably needed to beat. West Virginia is the one that they're fine losing, but they beat St. Louis. That's the, the big win for them. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. St. Louis is the big win. And then if you take away that South Carolina loss, there's not really blemishes on the resume because yeah. San Francisco has been really good this year too. Yes. 
So San Francisco and West Virginia are both, I think, like top 40 in the net and Ken Palm right now. Both of those losses aren't bad. You, if Yeah, they just really needed to not lose that game to South Carolina, I think, and they would have had a much better chance because quad three loss really hurts the resume. But at the end of the day, it, it's always going to be tough for a Conference USA team to do it. I was talking actually with Brett Vito about that and like, do you remember the middle Tennessee team? I don't know, like 10 years ago, the one everybody talks about where they almost went like undefeated the regular season. They had like two losses or something and still, you know, they lose in the first round of the tournament and couldn't get in. Uh, that was that not 10 bit. years ago, John. I don't know how long ago. It was. That was not, do not, do not age me like that. <laughs> don't you dare age me like that. 2016, 2017. Okay, no, no, so no. It was 20, ago. was it 15, 16? Let me find it. Let me find it. Maybe it was um, more recent, but you, you can continue with your point while I look this up. Anyway, yeah, I think that's the team that has sort of set the standard for Conference USA in terms of you're going to have to be as good as that team, if not better, probably to get in that large bid. Um, because as you said, the conference is really top heavy. Like there's some good wins to be had at the top, but if you stumble against any of the lower tier teams, it's always going to be a bad loss. So you really just have to be perfect aside from maybe losing to one of the heavy hitters. Yeah, no, exactly. So I don't, I don't know if, um, and I think the team that I'm thinking of is the 2017, 2018 team. Um, I, I maybe we're thinking of different teams, but they were the ones that lost in the first round of Southern Miss um, mm. in Frisco. And they ended up not getting um, a bid in the NCAA tournament, despite I think being ranked for uh, early portions of the year. So, and because Middle Tennessee had just come off of back to back wins in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And so in 2017, 18, they started off really well. And I think they were ranked at one point. So um, that's the team I'm thinking of. So I did that was not 10 years ago for me. That's what I felt. Like. I was like, <laughs> hold on, hold on. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see it. We talked about North Texas. If they, North Texas would have won two of those, like if they would have beat Miami and, um, in Buffalo, maybe we could have been having a discussion for North Texas, but they didn't. So from the North Texas side of things, uh, you bring up the rebounding. I think that's a good place to start because um, Trey Jemison last year was a big problem. And yeah. so this this makes for three straight year, three straight games. And it's, it's, from what I understand, it's been longer. I think it's been five games in a row where UAB's won. Yeah, five North in a row Texas. at home. Yeah, five in a row in Denton. Yeah, the last three are the only three that I really care about because last year you had the back-to-back ones for UAB, and then this year you have this one. So these are the only three that are relevant to me right now. Um, and last year it was the same thing. Last year it was the same type of thing where UAB is – I don't want to say they're an awful matchup for North Texas, but they kind of just are a mirror image of North Texas in some ways. And – this year they have the scoring punch to go along with it. So yeah, it's, it's tough for North Texas because they're used to being either the more physical team or the better defensive team. And you're playing a team that's your equal. So how are you going to manufacture baskets? Um, what against a team that is basically the same as you. And for UAB, the answer was Trey Jimison because Trey Jimison is bigger than Abu. Right. Um, yeah. And then you had, uh, Quan Jackson go two or two from three, even though he's not a three point shooter. Uh, Jordan Walker, like I said, filled it up at times as well. And so your North Texas, North Texas was having to keep pace with them a bit, right? They were having to score yeah. with them. That's what it felt like. It felt like they were like, you can't have an off night shooting or else you're going to lose this game. And so they end up going 24 50 from the field, 48%. That's pretty solid. Um, but this, this, well, like they, were, this, they were six of 12 from three in the first half and then just fell off a cliff too. Yeah. But North Texas, you don't want to have to like, this team does not want to rely on shooting 40% from three in a game, right? That, that's yeah. the whole thing. Like they want to be able to shoot 33, 35%, be happy, uh, play, defend you and um, just kind of wear you down with their, their, uh, their offense in a sense. So it was huge that Drez goes starts four four from three and um, Tyler comes out hot. They're all hitting threes because if if not UAB could have ran away with the game. Like UAB yeah. was in control early. I don't remember what score. I think it was fourteen to three or fourteen to four. I don't remember, but um, UAB was just in control. And so then UAB North Texas starts making shots and it kind of flips the trajectory of the game. And that's what North Texas 
North Texas can't be a team like, well, if they shoot well tonight, they're going to win. That's that's what it can't be. North Texas has to be. They're going to defend them well enough, like like Wichita State, right? That's what it has to be for North Texas. Yeah. So um, it's it's a learning one for them. And we'll get into some individuals. But overall, I think um, that's kind of my takeaway from it is that UAB is just kind of a mirror image of them and they're a little bigger than them. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And the one interesting thing to me as well is coming into the game, I caught this, but the three losses UAB had were the only three games they scored under 70 points. They got to 69 in this one, almost got to 70, but they got their first win scoring less than 70 points this year, which was kind of crazy to think about. So the North Texas defense, I mean, to some extent, UAB starts out hot. They end up going 17 to six up in the first seven and a half minutes is the one I found. Um, But North Texas defense, I feel like they were able to grow into the game a little bit after the hot start from Jamison. I think he was like four of his first four or five of his first five. Um, And then UAB didn't continue going to him a ton. They went to him in a few key moments, but that was really where the major spurt of his points came, it felt like. Um, And I agree with you. I think to me, if we do want to get a little more individual, this is where you really feel like it hurts them that Hamir Wright hasn't turned into a key player for this team because they really need a second big against a team like this that has, you know, not only Jemison and Buffin, but LeBlanc off the bench who just came in and killed North Texas on the glass, made some easy baskets. This is a team where you need a second big against because, I mean, Jemiah Simmons got a little run, but that was mostly just to get some other guys some rest. He didn't really have much of an impact in the game. And the fact that they don't feel like, like Hamir's been on the bench for several of these games and I, it doesn't seem like the coaching staff just trusts him to play at this point, which I mean, he, he was going to need to be that second big for this team if they were going to have one. And I mean, those small ball lineups against a team with UAB's size and physicality, just they get beat up on too much. I haven't, I haven't looked at the minutes for Abu. Um, I'm on, on my screen now. I'm like, all right, I, I want to guess how many minutes Abu played because it felt like he did not come out of the game, but I know he did. Um, yeah, it had to have been the most he's played I'm, this I'm going to guess. Oh, you don't know? Oh, you want to guess? Oh, I have it right here. Okay, okay. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess 35, man. How it many wasn't were? that much. It was 28. It felt like 35. Yeah, <laughs> like, it felt like a lot. It felt like he just never came out of the game, because I'm trying to think of when he came out of the game. Obviously, they went to Thomas at the five, and Aaron Scott came in at the four. So – the, the size difference is just massive there. Like, and they probably aligned it to where Abu came, came off the court when Trey Jemison came off the court. So they probably weren't at that yeah. much of a size dif- uh, um, disparity, but still not to have, like, I just kept thinking the same thing. Cause it felt like Abu was like, he was expending a lot of energy, man. He was, I'm, and, he, he, and he didn't get in foul trouble. Right. He had, no, he Abu only had, had one foul. Yeah, honestly, he should have had more fouls, man. You do not let Trey Jemison go seven of eight on you. You hack him. Sometimes. I would tend to agree. Yeah, like um, to be fair though, when Trey Jemison hit that fifteen foot sky hook from the baseline, oh, like Kareem, <laughs> I was like, all right, man, tip your cap. You shake his hand and be like, hey, that's a hell of a shot right there, man. Yeah, <laughs> you keep shooting that, man. You keep shooting that because that's like a ten percent shot. I like he no, he is a really good hook shot. Like we knew that last year, but. Come on now. So credit to Jerry Jemison because I think he was the difference. And I think, Abu, you got to – if you have one foul in the last, going in the last 10 minutes of the game, you do not let Trey Jemison get an easy bucket. So uh, – but you're right. Not having Hamir right really, really hurts. Um, not having that second big that they can throw out there really hurts because Thomas at the four against UAB – is very, very different from, than Thomas at the five against UAB. It doesn't matter yeah. if Trey Jemison's in or, not, in or not. Just the physicality that you have to play with against UAB warrants Thomas at the four. And Aaron Scott at the four, well, I think he's like he's a fine player. He is what we've known him to be. He's a fine player. He's a skilled player. Like We're like, okay, this guy's going to be really good. I don't want him playing 14 minutes against UAB, especially not at the four. Like mm, that's just asking yeah. a lot from a physicality standpoint to go up against KJ Buff and to go up against Josh LeBlanc. Like it's, it's, it's asking a lot. So yeah, the front court is, is very, very thin, which we've known. Um, I don't think Thomas played poorly. 
Um, for him to only have one offensive rebound, like for them as a team to only have five offensive rebounds was kind of jarring because Thomas, we usually expect to come in and be like, all right, this guy's just going to make stuff happen and get four offensive rebounds. Like Abu ends up with one, like JJ usually is good for one or two offensive rebounds had zero. Like, yeah. So the front court getting beat up a little bit has to be like the main takeaway from this game because UAB is, is that that level of good, but we've seen this before, right? We've seen Charles Bassey the last couple of years, like beat up on North Texas at times. And in the end, the North Texas is able to pull away, but um, this, this UAB team's front court is, is intimidating to say the least. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And the crazy thing to me too, was it wasn't always just to throw it to Jimison on the block kind of thing. Credit to the UAB coaching staff. Cause they really put him in some good spots to get the ball they'd really move him around a lot to where, you know, it made it harder to double or it made it harder to bring some help on him. They had some actions where they would get him rolling to the basket. And uh, after like two or three other things happened and then North Texas just couldn't quite get there. So I thought they did a great job of really freeing him up. That was one of the things that stuck out to me because I mean, Jimison's good, but if you get him looks like that, just easy looks, I mean, he becomes elite against a team like this that doesn't have somebody who can really stop him at the rim. And even when Thomas was switched onto him, sometimes when Abu was in the game, you could just tell it wasn't it wasn't going to end well. Yeah, um, I want to look at the offense real quick for North Texas because it's interesting because they they end up with a pretty decent, like I said, forty eight percent shooting offensive night against a really good UAB defense. And how many turnovers did North Texas end up with? They end up with only ten. That's yeah, and really, UAB really, averages like 19 or something. Yeah, no, that's really, really good. So we're talking about a game where they shoot pretty well. Obviously, second half three-point shooting was, was tough, but whatever. They shoot pretty well. They end up with only 10 turnovers, and they score 63 points. And one of my takeaways, I have, I have a lot of takeaways here offensively, but Thomas and JJ need to be better offensively specifically like those two specifically need to be better um and I, I have different reasons for each of them but JJ last year off the bench was excellent in his role and kind of knew what he needed to do and was kind of a spark in a sense he's not a spark in that same way in the starting lineup uh he played 22 minutes and for probably 20 of those uh he did nothing on offense probably maybe more, maybe 21 minutes, but he had the, a couple of stretches where he had, he had one assist and he went one or two from the field and he had one really nice finish over Jimison. And I was like, okay, awesome. Good job, JJ. But I shouldn't be saying awesome job, JJ. That was your one contribution of the game because that's what it felt like. It was like, Oh, JJ finally did something. And this, this isn't an offense. This isn't a team littered with offensive scoring ability. This isn't a team littered with three point shooting. Like if you look at it, they have two shooters on this team and only one of them starts. Yeah. And so JJ has to be in his minutes, whether it's 20 to 22 minutes, JJ has to be better. He has to be more assertive. He has to look to get draw fouls. He has to look to get in the paint. He has to look to have more one, more than one assist for every 20 minutes he plays. Um, he has to be more aggressive for himself because while I don't think he's the most skilled player on this team, uh, he, I mean, he was walk-on at one point, but at this point, it doesn't matter if he was walk-on or not. He has to contribute for this team. So, um, yeah, giving the ball to Drez, giving the ball to Tyler, giving the ball to Ruben is great because they're all good, skilled players, but you can't have a, a zero on the offensive side of the ball which is what JJ was against UAB. And I think he's better than that. I think he can be more impactful than that is what I'll say. That That's where I'll start. No, I agree. And um, I, I want to get back to Thomas Bell, man, because I've got the stats pulled up now. He had, you know, some decent games against Drake, LSU, Shreveport, UMass. He shoots right around 50% or above for like 10 points on the days. But the last four games, Sam Houston, he goes 4 of 10, 0 of 2 from deep, 6 of 11 from the free throw line, which isn't awful but not great. Wichita State, 5 of 17 from the field, 2 of 6 from deep. Rice, he goes 0 of 7 for one point. And then UAB, he goes 3 of 9. Like, the shooting just hasn't been there, and it hasn't even just been that he hasn't been hitting shots. I feel like the shot selection, especially against UAB, some of the shots he took just were not good at all. Like, 
One of them was like a step back behind the back three pointer or something. I don't know. I it was don't know a little, if you caught that. Yeah, that, it was a little late in the clock. I think there was four on the clock. And then, but McCaslin, what I saw, McCaslin did was did get mad at him after that. Uh, yeah. I heard him yell Thomas, like drive it or something like that. But yeah, that was a little late in the clock. But yes, I agree. So I think his shot selection needs to be better. And I mean, you could sort of tell against a team like UAB, he was going to have a harder time getting to the rim. Going against a guy like Buffin, he gave him pretty much everything he could handle physically on the defensive side. And he still got to the rim and finished a few times against Buffin. But it just it needed to be better from him. And I'm not sure that the spots that he's always getting the ball in are the best either. Like getting him the ball in the low post is okay to an extent, but in a game like this, where it felt like Buffin was able to sort of do what he wanted against him on defense to some extent, I don't know if that was the best strategy of where to put him. And he ends up with five assists. So he was able to make plays happen elsewhere, but man, I, they've got to find a way to get him in some good spots, find a way to get him, you know, driving to the basket instead of some of these back to the basket post-ups. I mean, it's the same thing with Thomas that it was last year. The thing is that he has a bigger, obviously, much more on his plate. He's not a he's not a player that's like, how do I describe this? He's not a player that you're like, okay, give it to him. He's going to isolate. He has this wide range of handles or he has these wide array of moves that is going to do anything. Like, we've seen it. Like, he yeah. is very... And it's going to sound worse than what I think it, I probably mean it to say, but he's kind of one dimensional on offense. He, mm. he is, he has to get the ball in certain spots to be effective, or he has to, I think his greatest value this year is getting to the rim and getting, getting fouled. I'm sorry, specifically getting fouled. Um, yeah. He's increased his free throw rate significantly. Um, he's shooting 78% from the free throw line. I think he has to get fouled. And so it's a similar thing for Thomas and for JJ. It's getting to the rim and getting fouled. For Thomas, that's going to be difficult because you have one of the team's better defenders on you more, uh, most of the time, and teams are going to be kind of focusing on you. So how do you do that? Um, I, I think there's going to have to create ways to get him at the rim because him shooting the ball right now is not an eff effective strategy, and I don't think it is going to be an effective strategy. Like He had those shots that he made in the postseason run last year. Those were awesome, but if you look at the postseason run as a whole, he didn't shoot the ball great. Like He just – He's not a great shooter. He's not a good shooter at this point in um, in his career. So you can't rely on him. And so what makes it difficult is we talked about these two guys. And here I'll throw one, one more stat out there. Ken Palm has an offensive rating number. So it's going to be the rating of the offense when they're on the court um, per 100 possessions. Uh, Thomas Bell is at 94.6. Uh, J.J. Murray is at 86.7. Both of those are Man. not good. Tyler Perry – is at 125. Uh, Abu Usman, <laughs> Abu Usman, 105.9. Drez, 105. Ruben, 100. So even Aaron Scott, 109. So it's just like, and those are team numbers. So I don't want to, you know, say that those are directly them. But still, when JJ's on the court, they're averaging 86 points per 100 possessions. Like, you need something from those two. You need those two to be more productive in, in ways that I just don't know um how big of a step forward they can take at this moment so then it brings back the question of how much like we've seen Graham McCaslin before just play his starters 36 37 minutes and I don't think we're at that point in the year to where he needs to and Tyler Perry did play 32 minutes so I don't want to like act like he didn't play um but we're nearing a point where like Tyler Drez probably Ruben too even though you know maybe Ruben and JJ fluctuate but Tyler and Drez have to play 35 plus minutes a game we're reaching that point in the year because you cannot have a starting lineup and a lineup that plays solid con consistent minutes that only has one shooter on the court and that's what it's been yeah well and I think that brings me to another guy who they're going to need at least a little more from which is Ruben Jones man I like he, he's had games where he's it's felt like he's gotten back on track a little bit shooting the ball. But, I mean, you look at his numbers for the season, he's at 30.8% from deep on the year, which is, I mean, Matt, it's below average, I would think. Yeah. Um, he's got to be better than that. He was at like 40% last year, and I get it was a completely different role, but 
they're going to need him to knock down a few more of those three-point shots, man. They're going to need more of that from him. They're going to need better than a two of seven night, I think, from the field because he's going to have to compensate a little bit, like you said, for the fact that they're not going to get much offense out of JJ. Like everybody has to step up a little more, I think, in that regard. And I agree, it'd be great if they got some offense, some more offense from JJ, but I don't know that you're going to get much more than, you know, two, four points on a night. So I think more needs to come from Ruben, more needs to come from Thomas, like we said, and maybe you get, you know, another basket or two from JJ here and there. But yeah, I think there's other guys that are probably going to end up needing to step up. So two years ago in 2020, and this is all according to Kim Pong, North Texas had the 34th ranked offense in the country. And this, that's not a surprise as, as the season wore on, they were just a juggernaut offense. Um, Emoji Gibson, obviously Dangu, um, James Reese. We know the team 34th in offense two years ago, last year, they were 101st in offense, still pretty good. Um, this year, they're 144th in offense, which isn't terrible. I don't want to act like it's terrible. Um, and I think, but I don't just, think, I don't think it's good enough for where they want to be as a team. It's though. not. No, you're right. You're right. So last year for context last year, and remember last year, they even struggled a lot of times. Like they had to win the conference tournament kind of out of nowhere, not out of nowhere, but you know, it it took a little bit of a run from them. They were 101st in offense, 48th in defense last year. This year, they're 144th in offense, 44th in defense. Defense is still great. We know that. Offensively, you come from last year and you say, all right, we return Thomas, we return Abu, we return Drez, we return Ruben, and we return JJ. Those five guys have to play better than last year, obviously, right? Like they're they're in different roles. You're with you don't have JV on, you don't have Zach, you don't have James Reese, right? And of those five, who would you say has played significantly better? I think of one and a half. I think I of mean, Abu. I think of Abu. Yeah. Abu. Abu's the one that you're like, okay, he has taken a significant step forward this year. He's the one you're like, you you see a significant step from last year to this year. Yeah. The second is probably Drez, but I don't think Drez has taken a big enough step forward from where I thought he was going to be before the season. Before the season, I thought he was going to be at the rim a lot of the time. Like I thought he was going to be yeah. just attacking the paint and in, in ways that I think he's still capable of, but he only took three shots inside the arc um, against UAB. And one of those was an and one that I thought was really good. Like he keeps showing this potential of being a great finisher and great at getting to the rim and then just never does it. So it's like Drez, I think has gotten better, but it's not, 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 he hasn't even reached where I thought he was going to reach. So you have those two and then Thomas, JJ and Ruben, are, are all in different roles and they haven't taken the step forward to fill those roles successfully at this point. No, I tend to agree. And that's been my biggest gripe with Drez probably this year is the fact he doesn't get to the rim enough because like, it feels like every time he goes to the rim, he's basically an elite finisher at the rim. Like more often than not, he's going to hit that shot or he's going to get fouled hard and go to the free throw line, which there's another area where he needs to be better. Five of 12, 41%, like 41.7% at the foul line for a guard is just for anybody, but especially for a guard is completely unacceptable. Ruben's 11 of 19, which is 58% basically. Like they need to be better at the foul line in general too, especially the guards. Abu's at 57.6%, which isn't ideal, but I feel like he's been knocking some down lately at least the guards are going to have to shoot better free throws. And that was one of the things, if we want to get back to this game, that was one of the things that sort of cost North Texas too. They go seven of 13 from the foul line. And let me see if I can find UAB here. UAB goes 10 of 14. Yeah. Like that's three points you're giving away there to UAB on free throws in a six point game. Um, Yeah. And their free throw percentage has kind of been buoyed by Thomas Bell and uh, Tyler Perry. A lot of it this year. Um. And if we remember, I mean, the free throw percentage, their free throw percentage on the year is 72%. Their opponent free throw percentage on the year is 61.7%, the second lowest of any team in the country. Like, if we remember the Sam Houston State game, right? Oh, man. Couldn't buy a free throw. There have been other games like that to where teams just have not shot free throws well. Um, Either that's luck, which it is significantly, but also some of that is just their opponents. I mean, you get into games – 
Against... You tell me that's not good free throw defense, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you get into games against good teams that aren't Sam Houston, and for the most part, they're going to make their free throws. So you can't rely on this the way that they've been kind of, I don't want to say relying on it, but they've been fortunate in that aspect yeah. of it. So um, it, the, it, the pressure is going to continue to mount on these guys with the offense because – well, I don't. I just don't think there's like a clear answer besides like starting Tyler Perry and playing playing for like as a piece, and because it's pretty clear when those two are on the court, um, their offense is fine, right? Because they could just shoot the ball with anybody in in the in the country, really. To, um, and so I, I just looked it up on Hooplands with Tyler and Drez on the court together. Um, they've had 407 possessions on the court together. They have a 105 offensive rating, uh, which is good, very good. And when they're off the court, or, or actually in any other lineup, they have a 97 offense rating. So they're eight points better when those two are on the court together. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the defense might take a small step back, but at the end of the day, like, there's only so far you can go. And I think while Tyler's comfortable coming off the bench, I think it's clear about that. I, I think at some point you look at just flipping him and JJ and it's not a dig at JJ. Cause I think I still think JJ warrants 15 minutes a game, but I mean, he's getting 22 right now. He's in the starting lineup. And he's not doing anything. So. Yeah, no, I, I would tend to agree, man. I don't know. Yeah. And like on the season, he's averaging 27.4 minutes a game. JJ is, I don't know that you can have him anywhere close to that down the stretch of the, of the season, unless like you said, he takes a step up and starts making some more plays on offense. Like, yeah, because I don't know how at some point the defensive value he brings isn't enough to justify 38% shooting from the field and 23% from deep. Like at some point, it's not good enough to justify that. I so so then okay, let's let's talk a little bit bigger picture because I agree. I agree that that's it's it's not when you're trying to win a conference championship. It's not. And that's the standard North Texas has set, right? They've won the last two. They are in an, a great mid-major program that is going to be competing for the Conference USA Championship every single year. So yeah. let's look at it in – we're looking at it in that lens. We're not just looking at it as, like, this being a top four team in the conference, which it obviously is. Like, we don't even need to talk about that. Like, if we're just talking about, oh, let's see, how are they going to be a top four team in the conference? Well, they already are that. So – we're raising the standard a little bit for this North Texas team, which I think they want because they're a great program with great coaches. So that comes back to beating UAB, beating Western Kentucky, and beating Louisiana Tech. Yeah. Um, I have seen a lot. I've seen UAB now, and I've seen Louisiana Tech. I saw Louisiana Tech play LSU. Um, I've also seen bits of Western Kentucky. I'm not going to say I've seen a full game, but I've seen bits of them. And those three teams – in order to beat those three, you're going to have to shoot the ball well from three, I think, specifically. I think that's that's a big thing because West Kentucky has a seven-foot-five player in Sharp who is going to present you similar problems to Trey Jemison. Especially he blocks like three shots a game or something yeah. ridiculous. So yeah. you thought Charles Bassey was annoying to play against. Like, this is another version of that, right? He's not going to be as talented, but he's going to be long and he's going to be a major problem. So West Kentucky interior defense is going to be good. UAB's defense is awesome. Um, Louisiana Tech is going to be a very, very pesky team. They don't have the size um, that the other two have, especially with Crawford going down. That sucks for them. Um, but still, it's just another team that you're – and I think Louisiana – let me check their numbers. Yeah, their offense is top 70 in the country at this point. Like they might have the best offense in the, in the conference. So you're going to have to score with them to a degree. So it's just looking at all of this stuff, it's like, how are they going to keep pace with these teams when you're the 144th offense and you are the worst of those three teams offensively? Uh, Cause even Western Kentucky's 99th in offense, like they're top yeah. 100. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how, how they, how they uh, battle through those games. Well, and I just pulled up sharps numbers and I really undersold him, man. He's at 4.9 blocks per game and he had 10 in one game against Alabama a and I get it's Alabama a and but, Nobody gets 10 blocks in a game. I saw uh, Auburn. I don't know if you've seen any Auburn, but Auburn has a seven foot one guy named Walker Kessler and LSU played him, played them the first game of conference season. And he had 10 blocks. 
So holy cow. There you go. Watch some Auburn when you get the chance. They're a crazy, crazy team. Man. Yeah, but I yes, might have to. Jeez. He, he's number. So I think so. This is how it goes. I think Sharp's number one in block percentage in the country, and Kessler's number two. So that's like that's those are just again elite 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 shot blockers that you're that uh, we're talking here. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So it's going to be interesting to um, see how they can hold up against these guys. Here, go ahead, go ahead. I will say, um, and I mentioned this earlier. Like, I'm not worried about them losing to like Middle Tennessee, Marshall. Like maybe they drop like we said, Marshall on the road is a tough one. Maybe they drop it. It's not the end of the world if they do. Um, but like middle Marshall, Charlotte's actually decent is actually really is decent this year. Um, ODU's decent, La Tech, UTEP. So, I mean, I don't, I look at this team and I don't want to make it sound like the sky's falling from this podcast, but, um, because I, I probably what would have them at this point going what 12 and six in conference. Does that feel right? 13 and five. Yeah, I think somewhere around 13 and five sounds about right. Yeah, 13 and five. So uh, give or take a game. But the thing is, UAB is probably going to go with 15 and three. Like, I, I don't see teams like I don't see bad. Like I said, North Texas is going to be bad teams. Um, we've already seen UAB play two bad teams and UTEP's not bad. I want to make sure that's clear. They're not bad, but they handled UTEP. UTEP came yeah. back a little bit at the end and then they just handled UTSA. Um. UTSA is down to here's some fun for y'all, uh, North Texas fans. Uh, UTSA is down to 311th in Ken Palm. Holy cow, dude! Out of 358 teams, UTSA is 311th. They are 357th in effective field goal percentage on offense. You like, like this is a god awful UTSA team. <laughs> yeah, they're really missing Javon Jackson and Keaton Wallace right about now. That's all they had, and we knew that that was all they had, and it, they now they just are just god awful. So, anyways, that, that'll make y'all feel better, North Texas fans. They are trash, but um, that's all I had. I think. Uh, uh shout out to Tyler Perry because man, he is good, really, really good. Yeah, yeah, and he he and Drez, like you said, they're the only two three point shooters on this team right now consistently. And before this game, I wouldn't have even put Drez in that category necessarily, yeah, but it seems like right. he's finding his way back. So yeah. they're going to need probably Ruben to step up and be that third guy because it's not going to come from Thomas more than likely at this point. Um, and it's not going to come from JJ. And then, I mean, if you look down the list, I will say with Aaron Scott, he made some freshman mistakes in this game a couple times. He had a bad turnover looking for Ruben the other side of the court. But I think he had solid minutes in this one. I, I would tend to agree with you. I don't know what the right number of minutes is. You don't play him a ton against, you know, the best teams in the conference, but maybe you do if he can get you a little bit more scoring. He gets four points on two of two shooting. He hit that mid-range jumper and then got a nice layup going to the rim. And, I mean, he hustles his butt off on the court, man. Like, he, he's one of the guys where I've been most impressed with just how hard he goes after some rebounds and that kind of thing. Like that's how he finds his way onto the court for this team more often than not is because he can go get a rebound for you when you need a rebound, at least against some teams that don't have the size that UAB does. So I'll be interested to see, maybe he takes a little step up in minutes if you're able to get him more comfortable and scoring the ball a little more. I don't think you can depend on that through conference play, but it's another spot you could look at if you need a little scoring from somewhere, I think. Yeah, Definitely. Um, I don't think I have anything else. They play Middle Tennessee on Saturday, so they're going to quick quick turnaround there at home. Uh, we could have waited until after that game, but this game is way more interesting than that game. Um, yeah. Assuming North Texas take care, takes care of business against Middle Tennessee, um, then we won't have too much. We wouldn't have too much to talk about after that. So UAB is the big one. And I'm glad we got this one out of the out of the way. Well, and I am I am a little intrigued with Middle Tennessee because. They do come in. They're like the fourth best CUSA team in Ken Palm, right? Or not Ken Palm in uh, the net rankings the right net. now. Right now, I know they're the at net, 124. The net loves them. The net loves yeah. them. I don't know why exactly, but. Well, yeah, and the net might be overselling them because the net has them above Western Kentucky, like eight spots ahead of them. I don't. I, I here's a spoiler. I, I don't care about the net. I know the net matters for like, but I don't know why it matters and Ken Palm doesn't because they're both just equations. Yeah, like they're both just these these man-made equations to pump out numbers. Um, but you look at Middle Tennessee, like they had their 
they lost to Rice. They lost to Chattanooga, and Chattanooga's not bad. Um, lost to Ole Miss, lost to Murray State, lost to Stephen F. Austin. So um, those aren't all, none of those are like terrible losses besides Rice. But like they've beaten like Coastal Carolina by four. They don't have a they don't have a single top one seventy win in, uh, according to Kim Palm this year. Yeah. So every team they've played that's over one seventy, um, and Rice is like one eighty seven. Uh, they haven't won. So I, I just don't really see them, but I do, I did see that net ranking too. And I'm just like, okay, sure. <laughs> I guess like they shoot 29% from three. Uh, they are the 230th ranked offense. Like, uh, I don't, I don't really see it being too much of a problem for North Texas, especially at home. Yeah, no, it, it really shouldn't be. And I'll, I'll run through the new net rankings this morning. Now that they've come out just real quick, the top of CUSA UAB moved up from 43 to 37. Uh, and then you go down, North Texas drops from 47 to 59. So not a crazy drop, as you'd expect. I mean, it's like a quad two, or I think it's a quad two loss. I think it's a quad two loss because they're at home. I don't, yeah, yeah I know it changes. A bit and then bit. it's a quad one win for UAB, I believe. I think so. Uh, and then LaTeX jumped from 80 to 70. Um, let's see who else. Middle Tennessee is at 124, uh, down from 121. Western's at 132, up from 134. And then you got Charlotte at 150, which I don't know. I mean, you don't feel like Charlotte's going to be very good this year either. I don't know where Marshall's at on this, but clearly the rankings don't like Marshall. Yeah, then they got Uh, Rice 197, UTEP 205, FAU 206, Old Dominion 211, Marshall all the way at 218. See, that's – let me look up. Well, Marshall's five and seven, so I guess that's fair, but – Marshall – Kim Palm has them at seven and seven. I don't know if the Nets, uh, I don't know what the difference is there, but Kim Palm, Kim Palm has Marshall at 154. Um, and they have Charlotte at 205. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Take it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what some of these, like, as you said, the teams that aren't on that top tier of conference USA, those top four, it's going to be interesting to see how they pan out. Cause Obviously, the coaches poll early in the year was pretty high on Old Dominion, and I don't know, I don't know how good they actually are this year. I haven't seen much of them, but they haven't seemed particularly impressive to me. It seems like everybody was wrong to pick North Texas number six, um, which always felt like it was a little low. But I mean, I don't know. Yeah, with I mean, all I, they were losing, I can understand picking them that low, but it really doesn't look good. Who was who was five? Like I know I OD say was, it was Marshall. Six. No, I think oh well, yeah, it was Marshall. You're right, you're right. I thought I was middle for a second. Yeah, it was Marshall. Um, so yeah, I understood the top three, obviously, with UAB, LaTeX, Western. Um, and then it was Marshall, and then ODU, then North Texas. Yeah, that's what it was. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's it's a long way to go. Like I said, I think 12 and 6, 13 and 5 is still the expectation. Um, and I still think that's that's very good. Um, the question is, is is it good enough to beat Louisiana Tech and UAB in the tournament. Um, last year, North Texas didn't have to play UAB in the tournament, thankfully. Um, that was so. We'll see how the bracket lines up this year. No, We're a ways I, I away agree. from that, though. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so I, I just pulled up the poll just to make sure we got it right. But yeah, it was UAB, La Tech, Western, Marshall, Old Dominion, North Texas. And then Charlotte Rice, FAU, UTEP, UTSA, Southern, FIU, and Middle Tennessee was picked dead last. So it looks like they should at least be able to outpace that for sure. Um, no, yeah, definitely. All right, here's something fun for you real quick before we wrap this up. Uh, right. Ken, Palm, Ken Palm has a running all-conference uh, list. So like an all-conference USA, like all-conference USA first team, basically. Five yeah. players. Uh, it changes. It goes throughout the season, you know, as it updates as it goes. Um, this is not the list I was expecting, I don't think. Uh, but then again, Conference USA, and I haven't been covering Conference USA as, as closely this year, so I'm not going to act like I know Conference USA like I did last year or the year before. Um, is Tavion Kinsey not having a great year? Because Tavion Kinsey's not on this list of top five. Well, he's four of 36 from three. Holy crap. Jeez. And 45% from two. Okay, yeah, no, he's playing like crap. Um, I hope nobody from Marshall is listening to this. I'm sorry. He's a great <laughs> player. He's going to be drafted. He's, he's good, but like 44% from two, 11% from three. Okay. So here are the five players Conference USA or Ken Palm has as the all-conference team right now at this moment. Okay. I don't know how they come up with it, but whatever. Here we are. 
Number one, Kenneth Lofton. All right, LaTeX. That makes sense. Of course. Uh, number two, Jordan Walker from UAB. I was like, okay. I think that makes some sense as well, yeah. It, it does, it does. Uh, number three, and I had, this is where I haven't seen Western Kentucky, Davion McKnight. Interesting. Well, and I'll I, pull up. I got the Western stats up, so I'll see what his stats are. And I know he's been good just because I, I follow people on Twitter that, that cover them. And I know he's been re- like he's had a breakout year of sorts. I just didn't know he was that good. But look yeah, at his stats. He's at 13.9, 6.6 boards, 6.1 assists, two steals. Who he's not the him? leading scorer for Western even though. Who does? Uh, Jarris Hamilton, 14.8 okay. points. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, Kempom has them, has him at number three. Number four, Tyler Perry. North Texas man I, coming I, off the bench too I mean I know is. he plays starters minutes but still coming off the bench yeah I think people I think stats and everything love Tyler Perry which is understandable like I said he has a one what I say 115 120 offensive rating when he's on the court yeah something so, absurd like that yeah number five is Thomas Bell really he's also interesting yes also I guess the stats are okay, but man, it feels like a down year like it doesn't feel like a great year for Thomas Bell at his all. usage is so high I think mm. that it's like he at least is responsible for a lot of things. And I mean, I don't know. And this is where, again, last year, I, and this is where I was thinking of it in last year and two years ago's perspective, Tyler, like Perry and bell, I'd probably have on like a second team out there. Um, I don't think I'd put Drez, maybe put Drez on a third team. Like at this moment for how they're playing right now, like yeah. maybe P- Perry and bell as second team, maybe third team type guys. But I just don't know if in conference you say, like, there's no Javon Jackson, there's no Keaton Wallace, there's no Charles Bassey. Like, yeah, there's no it, even Malik Curry. Yeah, to, uh, Tavion Kinsey isn't playing well. It's like, the last year, this was a conference of stars, damn near. Like, I was like, there's all these great mid-major players. And now I'm like, if Tavion Kinsey's not playing well, I mean, UAB has a bunch of good players. North Texas has a bunch of good players. La Tech. KJ Lofton is probably the only star that you look at in Conference USA at this point because I don't know who else you'd even consider. Nobody in the West, nobody besides Lofton in the West that I would be like, all right, this guy is a, a mid-major like star. Um, nobody from FIU, middle, again, Marshall, Tavion Kinsey should be that. Western, no. Um, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen enough Charlotte ODU or FAU, but yeah. So I just thought it was an interesting conversation to look at there yeah no it is and I I pulled up Tavion Kinsey I was looking at his minutes per game he's averaging 37.1 minutes per game dude like that's got to be one of the highest in conference USA and I guess it's because Marshall doesn't have any better options but like man I will say 37.1 is a lot yeah no that's a lot uh Charlotte Jameer Young has been really good for a while he's Mm, a he's a good good player so I'll throw him in there and That's he is, it looks like, it looks like he's playing well, 54% from two, 38% from three. So Jameer Young should probably be on that top five list. Again, I haven't seen Charlotte. So yeah, I, I feel know. like he had a game winner or something at some point this year too. I remember seeing that floating around Twitter. Don't quote me on it, but I think so. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> uh, I'm just looking through these names right now. Austin Trice for, or Kalua Zeke pay for, um, Old Dominion, both good players. They're going to be a good team. So, Dang, yeah. Jameer Young had 27 against Wake Forest, man. Whew. Yeah, so throw him in there. But anyways, I thought that was an interesting list just to say um, that you don't have to worry about, like, the Javon Jacksons of, of past, and you don't have to worry about, like, uh, I guess not Tavion Kinsey of the past. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, that's all I had. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and that's the strange thing. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't mean to keep dragging this on, but that's the strange thing to me about Rice is they've got some guys who could be that kind of a guy. Like they've got Carl Pierre, they've got Olivari, EV, any of those three you feel like could sort of be one of those guys. Like they've shown track records in the past of being able to light it up, but none of those guys are really being that dude. Like Carl Pierre's had a good year for Rice, but it doesn't feel like he's been that level of like a Javon Jackson kind of guy for them. Exactly. Exactly. Rice is it's weird. Very, very weird because even like Kim Pom has them still 103rd in offense, which is pretty, pretty, like pretty good. Yeah. Um, but and they're one of the you, best three point shooting teams in the country. Yeah. Yeah. They they can shoot the hell out the ball. But like when then when you watch them, they play with zero physicality. They play with like no defense at all, obviously. And they just yeah struggle against anybody that's decent. So there you go. 
Yep. Well, now that we talked everybody to death on random conference USA teams, they don't care about. Uh, I think we can pretty much wrap it up there. Actually, we did. We wanted to talk about uh, some big news on the football side. Which oh, that's right. Manasseh Mose and KD Davis are both coming back for an extra year of eligibility. So a couple of key returners there for the football team. Mose has actually the most like career starts of anybody on the UNT roster. I think he's got 48 of them. Uh, he's been like the most consistent player they've had over the last, I guess, five seasons. It'll be his fifth like season playing. He redshirted back in 2017. So, I mean, he's just started a ton of years for them. And then Katie Davis obviously has been a rock for them at middle linebacker. You know, one of their, the leading tackler this year, really the last couple of years, he's been the leading tackler. A couple of guys that have been pretty key pieces. Um, I, and I'll talk about them in a second, but uh, I went back and listened to the podcast after North Texas lost to Marshall in football. <laughs> I sometimes I just love listening to old podcasts just because it's like it's like you're listening to someone that's not yourself. And yeah. I mean, for listeners, you can go back and listen to it as well. I just think it's a hilarious podcast. Um, and where they just get <laughs> killed by Marshall, and you're just uh, we're we're just going in on everybody at that point. Um, anyways, I said that because I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I think they're both good players. Um, and I think they're, it helps to have them back. I definitely yeah. don't think it's as big of a deal as people want it to be. Um, because I, I just, and I say that podcast thing because in that podcast, uh, and this is when North Texas was almost at its lowest. This was right before they lost to you uh, Liberty. And so obviously we're a little skewed because they hadn't won five straight games. But one thing I said on that podcast was <laughs> I said, we blame everybody else. So we've gone through three coordinators, defensive coordinators. Now at this point, they've changed secondaries. They changed some defensive linemen. And the one consistent the past few years has been the linebacker position. And so I don't have expectations of Katie Davis being a you know, NFL caliber linebacker next year or anything like that. Um, but I think he's just going to give you more of the same. And I think that's fine. I think it's good because you can build a good defense around Katie Davis. Um, but it's pretty clear he's not going to be the game-changing linebacker. And if that's what y'all are looking for, I don't think that's what he is. Yeah. Um, but I still think he's very good. I still think he's a very solid player, and I'm glad that he's coming back because I think it's going to help this defense um, early on next year. Um, especially so, um, Manasse Mose, I think he's, he's good. I mean, he's fine. The offensive line's good. Offensive line's fine. Um, but you know, they, they have more, they have much bigger problems than offensive line and linebacker, I guess, to this point. And so yeah. we'll have to see how they piece it around them. I guess it's good in that sense, right? At least they didn't lose them and to where now we're like, okay, well now they have to also replace Mose and, uh, Katie Davis, but I mean, that's why you recruit. That's why I think they've recruited really well on the offensive line. I think they've recruited really well on the at linebackers. So I don't think it would have been huge losses, but it is good to have them back. No, I agree. And that is the crazy thing is like that linebacker position, depending how hard they get hit by the transfer portal. I mean, you got Larry Nixon, Kevin Wood, Jordan Brown. Like you got all of these guys that feel like yeah. they can play there. Yep. Um, yeah, it's really I think it's going to come down. And this is super early, but it's going to come down to a couple positions probably, which is quarterback and defensive backs. Yep. Like if they can find a quarterback who's, you know, average across college football, basically, who's not, you know, Austin Ani, Jace Reuter or Jason Bean, if they can find a guy who's not those guys and is actually average, which who knows if JD Head, Stone Earl or one of those guys is going to be that guy, but they find one of those guys and they shore up the defensive backfield. I mean, <clears throat> you feel like it's a team that can probably win eight games. Yeah, ideally. I, I agree. Yeah. I, um, I, I like your, your January 7th optimism right now, John. <laughs> That's very good. That's very good. Um, maybe we'll do a, a football Q and a, uh, at some point in this month. Um, when North, maybe when uh, North Texas basketball has a little bit of a break, maybe doesn't play for, um, you know, however many days, but yeah, we'll look at that. Uh, but I, I'm glad them they're coming back. I think it's good for the team. Um, it 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 is weird though, and this I, I dragging this podcast on, but it is weird though if you're like a young guy like Jordan Brown or you're like a, any young player, and these COVID players keep coming back, coming back, coming back, like across the country. Yeah. 
you got to be a little, I mean, that, that's another reason why the transfer portal is kind of blowing up the way it is. Right. Cause you have guys who are expecting to come in and play within two years. And now you're in going into year two and you're like, Oh, we still have these guys coming back for their fifth year, their sixth year. Um, it, it just has kind of thrown things off a bit. So I will say that as well, as far as transfer portal goes. Well, and that's where, if, if we want to keep the optimism going, that's where North Texas should be able to pick up some dudes in my opinion. Cause it's going to be so full of talent and some guys are just going to end up getting pushed by the wayside. Like there's only so many spots in college football, all the new freshmen that are coming in, you know, more guys every year enter the transfer portal than, than there are spots. And it's going to be a lot of dudes that don't have somewhere to go. And maybe some guys that normally wouldn't fall to a North Texas level end up coming to a North Texas level and they get some guys that can really play. That's the hope. Um, at the end of the day, I think it falls back on coaching. And so we'll see, but I think you hit it on the head. Uh, the quarterback position, defensive back positions are two positions where they need talent. The rest yes. of them, I'm confident. I think coaching will kind of win out in the end. If they can coach, then they're going to be fine on the offensive line, receiver, defensive line, linebacker. So, yeah, long as the portal doesn't hit them too hard at any of those spots, they're going to be okay. Yeah, I don't think they Yeah. Um, and at any rate, I think we finally are done. I think we're done dragging this along. Um, you know, interesting time of the year, plenty of basketball still to come and, you know, plenty of optimism still to be had for North Texas basketball. It's certainly not the end of the world. We're going to see how it continues to play out, starting with Middle Tennessee uh, back at the Super Pit on Saturday. I'll be there for that one. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Follow the podcast on SoundCloud. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at MeanGreen247 for all the latest. Follow Matthew at MatthewBurney underscore. Follow me at JohnfieldZero, and we'll catch you guys on the next one.